This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Another bonus episode of Keeping Carlson. I know that we say that we're going to go bi-weekly all throughout the summer, but I just get so antsy and we've got another fun one for you today. As you've seen from the title, we're coming in with part three of our series of Good Pick, Bad Pick, where me and Dave Benton debate the different players that were ranked on our patron rankings. So I'm very excited to do part three. I know I lost part two, but I have a good feeling about this one. So of course, with me first is the great Dave Benton, the current Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League Ultimate Champion. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the accolades. You, you forgot that I also won the Cupful Playoff uh, Champions Pool as well. Yeah, I guess and if that, I want, if, I think and that I also player. won the uh, Playoff Auction as well between you, Brian, and myself. Yes, that's true. Okay, so Dave clearly... And that I'm also winning this currently uh, right now as well. (laughs) So we've got Judge Ben Burnett from at AVG Time on Ice, the Herald of Twitter account. And Ben, is this true? Is Dave still winning at this point? I honestly thought it was a real dick move of you to leave out all of those accolades when you first introduced him. (laughs) But I respect the power move as well. (laughs) All right, but you didn't answer my question. What's the current status of good pick, bad pick? Oh, that's, I misunderstood your question. Uh, he is currently winning, although if we were to say it, if we were to look at the first installment and the second installment, you're even 1-1, and I prefer to do it that way. All right, so this is the tiebreaker right now. The bubble match does decide who is better at debating, me or Dave. But really, it all just comes down to who gets lucky and gets an easier thing to debate. Uh, so for those <laughs> of you who didn't listen to parts one and two, part one was only for the patrons, because I don't know, we're jerks. Uh, I didn't think about releasing it. Uh, but you can still go back and find that. Part two, where we went from, I think, 25 to 45, was uh, released as an episode. And basically, we go through players one by one. These are players that Dave's been posting on the Facebook group for patrons. It's a lot of, like background knowledge you need to know for this, okay? There's a Facebook group that you could get access to if you're a patron patron of keeping carlson and then dave over the summer is a generous guy and every day he posts a new i guess what do you call it like a poll where people can say but you can pick any player you want and different people vote on what player they think should be ranked next and then every day that player gets ranked and then we vote on the next player it's a lot of fun i guess we're done now we've gotten up to around 70 it's time to gear up for next season so we're done with that but we've got up to 70 and uh on this show we're gonna go player by player dave and i will take turns uh deciding if we're arguing pro or con on if that player was a good rank in that spot 
and then Ben will decide who won. And so I guess that's enough preamble. So why don't we just get started? We finished off last episode with Evgeny Kuznetsov, who was ranked 45. Dave was pro. I was con. And I believe I won that one. I made a brilliant argument. And now I'm going to try to carry that forward and say that number 46, Sean Monahan, is a good pick in that spot. And just just as a recap, Sean Monahan at 46 is like, Honestly, if he was at 36, it might have been a good pick in that spot because he did so well last year in a couple points. Again, so we're ranking more background knowledge. We're ranking based on the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patreon League scoring system. Five for a goal, three for an assist, and a bunch of other stuff that I won't get into. Monaghan had 5.43 average points per game on the season in fantasy points. He was like basically a point-per-game guy in real NHL points. That ranked him like ahead of other centers that have already been ranked, like Sean Couture, uh, Elias Pedersen, you know, Kuznetsov, like we just talked about, like he was one of the top centers out there. Plus, maybe he even gets even better moving forward. You know, Johnny Gaudreau still, you know, maturing into this amazing superstar. So I just feel like Monahan did great last year. He's locked in top line, top power play. I don't see any reason for him to fall. So why not grab him here? Get yourself a star center way down at 46th overall. Uh, well, you said it there first and foremost, our old center argument there center is the most readily available position if you missed the last couple of episodes you know that we've harped on that throughout this rankings and uh, also you've probably seen that we've selected a lot of centers so you've seen how readily available they are getting someone that can score this many points this late and you'll also be able to get some more centers later on than this that can also able to put up this many points um, last year was also an outlier year for Sean Monahan. Uh, as much that I do like him years before that he was he is consistent i'll give him that but he's not great 62 63 58 64 so and then last year he kind of broke out and had the 82 however i think it's much more likely that he regresses back to his mean more likely than it is for him to stay at a point per game player which is kind of where you're drafting him at right now and while it is also true uh, that he is somewhat of a lock for top line, top power play, he's also very dependent on that top line. And we all saw what happened to the Flames in the playoffs. They might be a little bit more inclined to maybe try out a little bit more shaking it up, maybe a little bit more of like a, a Penguins kind of thing where they kind of keep their superstars on two different lines, see if that maybe helps them a little bit more, uh, maybe see if it helps a little bit more of their longevity, not putting as much pressure on that top line all season long. And so I think he could do a little bit better than Sean Monahan here, preferably uh, somewhere at a different position that can help you out a lot more than what you can get later on at center. Man, Dave, that must have been hard for you because I know you're a big Sean Monaghan fan and you have to argue against him. I'll also admit, I actually was totally wrong. Sean Couturier hasn't been ranked yet. We'll see if we get to him today. So I just wanted to clear that up. Okay, Ben, what do you think? Who won this argument? Well, I have some questions first. First of all, Dave, is it really, are we really pronouncing it outlier? <laughs> oh, man. Outlier? Outlier. No. There you go. All right. I, I thought Isn't I might be is- wrong. I thought maybe that was the Canadian way to say it. <laughs> Oot, no, that's Ootlier. <laughs> um, okay. I guess my main question, though, is like, are there many centers left that we're taking over Sean Monaghan? And I, I'm not convinced that there are. Um, as far as like where I would want him uh, positionally, I think that this might be the right spot for him. Okay, so does that mean uh, Elon um, wins the argument? I'm definitely leaning Elon, but I'm also just looking up like who's left. And I mean, Sean Couturier, I'm definitely not taking over him. 
Um, Logan yeah, I, I think I gotta go. Yeah, I think I gotta go with pro on this one. Nice. I like how you ended up making your criteria nothing about what Dave and I said. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm just thinking about obviously, like, uh, obviously, to Dave's point, we have talked so much about positional scarcity, and there were a few points uh, in the last. Uh, the last episode where we basically were just like, is he a center? Then we're not taking him here. And I don't know. I just feel like if I am going to take a center here, it's definitely Sean Monaghan. And I, I don't really have an issue with him at this point in the draft. He's, he's just a, especially coming off Kuznetsov right ahead of him. I just like him a lot more. Nice. Okay. One, nothing for me. Yeah. And I can, I can respect that obviously. Cause you said that yeah, I love, I love Sean Monaghan. I'm not going to lie. And also, yeah, I respect, I respect Ben's decision there, taking the time to actually see um, what centers were actually coming after rather than just assuming, oh, yeah, he's a center. Surely there will be plenty of <laughs> people there. Yeah. That's there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's your gavel sound. I was wondering, what is that? Did something fall? Okay. We'll get used to that gavel sound as we go. Dave, are you actually concerned about Monaghan going off the top line or was that no yes it came up with? I've never heard that. Total. Total stretch there. Okay. All right. So next up, Dave, you're arguing pro on Morgan Riley, who went 47. Yeah, Morgan Riley, uh, one of the best defensemen uh, in this draft. He scored 72 points in 82 games last year. Uh, Incredible numbers for a defenseman. Um, There's really no reason for that to change this season. Obviously, some might feel threatened by Tyson Berry, uh, but I am not scared of him at all. Obviously, we saw what he could do on the top power play last year. I don't see any reason for that to change. And even before that incredible power play last year, he still had 52 points the year before, which is elite for a defenseman, as I've said many times. Um, He gets lots of shots. He gets a decent number of blocks. He's good for perifs for everyone. And I don't really see any reason why you would not want to go Morgan Riley at this point with such an elite power play that he should be quarterbacking. I mean, I feel like you've kind of said it. Like, I feel that the two main arguments against Morgan Riley for me here are number one, he is not, I don't think, the guaranteed guy to stay on top power play the whole time. It, it was just a couple seasons ago that he was fighting with Jake Gardner for who was going to get the prime time. Last year, obviously, everything worked out in his favor. But, you know, also last year, like you said, he had 72 points. The year before, he had 52. And the year before, like 27, you know? Like, it's just recently that he's shown us something. And I don't know if that's something you want to bank on, especially with Tyson Berry coming in. Tyson Berry's not a Nobody. Tyson Berry had 25 power play points last season compared to Morgan Riley's 21. So Barry, I know Brian's made a point actually that Barry maybe had a bit more power play time to get those points. But even if you call them even, that just goes to show that like this is also a super capable guy uh, that could quarterback a power play. So I don't think it's so cut and dry. Plus, add that to the fact that Riley's had this 172 point season and that's it. I don't know if necessarily he's the defenseman to grab here. If you want to grab a defenseman here, we've still got guys like Klingberg who we're going to talk about soon. you got Chris Letang who puts up elite numbers. He gets injured. Roman Yosey we're going to talk about. Like I feel you have guys who are for sure guaranteed guys who are going to be running their team's top power play and have done it more than one season before. So I don't know. It feels like a stretch to go Riley here. Uh, Elon, if that's your argument, you're barking up the wrong tree for this next pick. Okay, well, I'm focused on this one now. I'm not thinking about the future. <laughs> So uh, Ben, what do we think? Get that gavel. Out. I am. Uh, I yeah, I'm. I'm ready to smash it. Um, it's tough for me to pick Morgan Riley here. Uh, I do own Tyson Berry in a couple keeper pools, and I'm, I am shopping him because I honestly I do think that I don't see why you would mess with something that worked so well last year. 
Um, the only person that seems to want to get in the way of that top power play unit in Toronto is Mike Babcock, who refuses to play them more than 50.000% of the time <laughs> on the power play. But uh, yeah, I just, with the uncertainty of, with, of Tyson Berry coming and the fact Elon made the point about um, Jake Gardner being like kind of an, no one really understood why he was in the way of Morgan Riley getting that shot, especially because he hadn't, it's not like he got up there and failed prior to this year. He just had never had the opportunity to run with it. He was really good last year. There's no doubt, but just with the uncertainty, I think there are a few guys and some of them are even coming up that I would be, I would be happier to take over Morgan Riley. So I got to roll con on this one. Boom. Dave, you're in the hole right now. You're going to have to dig yourself out of it. Sorry, there's a delay on my gavel. <laughs> no, worth it. Um, there was something you said that I wanted to respond to. And I, oh yeah, like even a lot of times we have these discussions in the off season of like who's going to get the job. Is it going to be Riley or is it going to be Tyson Berry? Most of the time in these types of situations, we go back and forth throughout the season, right? So I'm I'm not saying that like oh it's going to be Tyson Berry, not Morgan Riley. Like I feel like it's the kind of thing where maybe Riley gets the job at first. Like Stephen here in the chat room saying I think Babcock. With Babcock there, it's Riley's job. But it's like, yeah, maybe it's Riley's job while it's going well. And then if a couple games go by and they're struggling, who knows? All of a sudden, it's time to switch it up. Now they have another option. Other teams don't really have another option. They're not going to take, uh, you know, whoever, Roman Yosi off the top power play and put Ryan Ellis there instead in Nashville. Anyway, anyway, I don't see why it wouldn't be, like, a little bit similar to Carlson and Burns last year, where you you clearly do have two excellent options and you can cycle through them. Yeah, I, now, I think if anything... I think if anything else, you, I would like if it were in my draft, I'd kind of try and play up the fact that it could be Barry that could kind of snipe some time away from him and then get him a little bit later than you maybe normally would. I will say an argument in, now that it's over and I've already won the point. It is fair. Like we should mention Morgan Riley had only 21 power play points last season and 72 points overall. So that leaves still. Uh, 51, if I'm doing my math correctly, 51 even strength points that he was able to get. So like, even if he only gets like 10 power play points, like most power play two guys on a good team could get at least 10 for you. Like, and then if you were able to do the same thing to even strength, he could still be like worthwhile at this spot. So, it, you know, he's going to be playing with great players. Like Morgan Riley's going to be great, but obviously you're deciding between lots of defensemen who could be great. Uh, okay, so Dave, and here's, let's talk about another one now. We went on a little D-run after Riley uh, John Klingberg got picked. So do you think that was a good pick? I guess you must, right? No, you think. I just uh, rooted on Morgan Riley. Oh, you are correct. Okay, so I'm arguing pro John Klingberg. Oh, so that's perfect. We went from Riley to Klingberg. You said I'm barking up the wrong tree. This will be easy. Klingberg, again, like unless you're saying Miro Haskinen is ready to take the job. Like, uh, I don't know. We haven't seen any evidence. You know, this isn't like a Tyson Barry who's put up 30 plus power play points before like uh john klingberg in a, he had a down year last year like a lot of people were like disappointed in klingberg i remember getting questions on the podcast like what's wrong with klingberg what's going on you look at his final numbers 45 points in 64 games it's a 58 point pace on a down year he still had 20 power play points in only 64 games you pace that out like this guy's great on the power play and he's like great at like just putting up points overall like the previous season he had 67 points and also Dallas, I feel like last year kind of struggled. Like they had not as many offensive pieces. Things really clicked in the playoffs. And at the very end, when they got Matt, Matt Niskanen in there, now they have Joe Pavelski. And I feel like it really is helpful for them to be able to put out two good lines instead of having to choose between stacking the first line or and having nothing at all or, or spreading them out. So now they're going to have a really 
epic, I think, power play unit with Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, Radulov, and Klingberg. Plus, they're going to have two good lines. I feel like the, the op- offensive opportunities are going to be there for Klingberg, and this is going to be like his year to like you know quote unquote bounce back from a fifty-eight point pace season, get back into the sixties, maybe even hit seventy. Uh, first and foremost, it's a fifty-six point pace. Get your numbers right. No, uh, yeah, that's can, not my. That's not according to Dauber Hockey. So well, if you want to call 40, out the man. 40 45 divided by 64 times 82. Yeah, okay. And what is it? Okay, I must have fat fingered some numbers. All right. All right. Bad, bad <laughs> Point <time>. <laughs> Anyways, 57. We round down. We round down. Any, Point no, Elon. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, there's, I do have a lot of good points. First off, the reason why I was saying you were barking off the tree last time was because there still are a lot of great players that I would probably – to consider better than Klingberg at this point, still left behind him. So I would kind of let someone else take him. Someone else start that run, not the person who got Riley. I admit, I probably wouldn't have taken him there. But I'd let someone else kind of get on this run and kind of like how we talk about Jeff Good's uh, U theory and the whole uh, auction draft things. You don't want to be the person starting to run, but you don't want to also be the person ending to run. You want to get that middle sweet spot. Uh, so I think you'd still be on the wrong end of the spectrum here if you're getting Klingberg at this point with all the players still available. Uh, not only that, um, I do think that Klingberg is at threat to lose that time. And um, that's not to say it's because of talent. I think he's very talented. But I look at all the other forwards that Dallas got this year in the offseason they got pavelski they've got rupe hints that's coming up they didn't acquire him but he's getting better they got Corey perry and so i suspect that they might start leaning towards a little bit more of a split power play and kind of have essel Lindell or mirror the hero start quarterbacking maybe the top one and putting klingberg down on maybe the lesser power play to kind of lead that not entirely different kind of from what we saw in Nashville with PK Subban. And so I think it's very possible. You could see a dip in his numbers. He is an injury threat. He only played 64 games last year. And so I would let someone else take a chance on him and get much more of a sure thing later on down the line. First of all, I want to say I love that now that we're on StreamYard, the video shows all three of us, not just the one who's talking, so people could see my gasps and shocked faces when you were saying some of the things you said. I mean, uh, you think that now that they have Rupe Hints and Corey Perry in the picture, they're going to go with a more... like Pavelski. They'll put the top power play. Ben Sagan, Pavelski, Radulov, Klingberg. Come on. Of course. It's obvious. Yeah, just like a lot of teams should do, but how often does that actually happen? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we're we're smart people, not everyone are. <laughs> right. Okay. What do you what do you say, Ben? I don't know how many teams are really split. When you have a clear top four, who are we splitting off? What, what teams are splitting like that? Yeah, Dave. Vegas. Toronto did it forever. They only stopped doing it last year. Eh, okay. Ottawa, Ottawa did it a little bit. I would almost argue that Vegas has like a lot of good players, but okay, we're we're splitting hairs here. Like, uh, yeah, um, I I think that the, what it really comes down to with John Klingberg here, and especially when Dave talks about the U, is who's left and who's gone. Because I mean, yeah, if your draft, if John Klingberg is there, and there's you know four or five comparable players who are still on the board, then I understand why you would pass on him for sure. You're you're looking at tier, like who's left in your tier, who. Is there anyone available right now, uh, Dave, that you would prefer to John Klingberg? On D, of course. Yes. 
uh, Dustin Bufflin, uh, Chris Letang, Roman Yossi. <laughs> He's PK just saying everyone. <laughs> Tori Krug. Okay. Every defenseman. That's, that's a lot more people that are available than Sean when Sean Monahan was in the centers that were behind him. Yes, it's true. Um, I this is a tough one for me. Um, I'm gonna I gotta go with it though because I think that John Klingberg is a really he's a really dependable sixty point uh, D man, and a lot of the players that are left, I'm not a hundred percent sure that they are quite as dependable to hit that pace. So I, I think that Klingberg is good at this spot. Woo! Woo! All right. Next. Dave, <laughs> try to redeem yourself. Dude, you're getting smoked here. Player number four. You just said you like him better than John Klingberg, so tell us why. Dustin Bufflin went 49th. Yeah, another reason why I like didn't like Klingberg is you can get people like Bufflin here. Uh, Bufflin is someone who, unlike Klingberg, has zero threat of losing his top power play they he did have a threat um at truva but they just traded him away um so he's as long as he's healthy he's gonna have that top power play no matter what that dynamic power play that electric power play it's gonna get you points no matter what the only thing that elon will be able to come back with is health and i always hammer this to death get don't draft based on injury risk you can always get players later on than their values. If, if we're assuming every player was playing a full 82 games and we drafted them, Dustin Bufflin would be a top 30 pick and you're getting them down here at 49th. That's incredible value. He gets crazy amount of hits. He gets perifs out the wazoo. He gets tons and tons of shots. He is going to be an elite defenseman for you. Probably top 10 easy maybe even be top five as long as he's able to stay healthy and i do believe he is due gambler's fallacy let's go (laughs) well i mean he might be due or he might just be getting more and more brittle he played 80 games in 2016 17 69 17 18 only 42 last season so yeah you definitely gotta hope he's due because that's a lot of games to miss that was half 80 83 80 before that 81 before that well, yeah, but now he's 34 years old. He's, he's an old man, and he's a big guy, and he's carrying around a lot of uh, weight that, you know, things, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. You know how it works. Uh, the thing, <laughs> okay, I'm going to make my argument very easy, anti-Dustin Bufflin here. Okay, first of all, you already said the injury thing. Like, I'd rather get someone dependable. But my other argument is going to be, I'm going to say two words to you, and those are Roman Yosi, okay? Because Yosi, first of all, had 5.05 fantasy points per game last season compared to Bufflin's 4.79. So Yosi was already better than Bufflin last season. Plus, I think Yosi's another guy who kind of had a bit of a down year. Like there were times last year where people were wondering where he went. And next year, for the first time ever, he's not going to have any you know, uh, people competing with him for top power play time. And Roman Yosi plays freaking 82 games a year. Like no one's worried about this guy getting injured. Dustin Bufflin's a big risk. So I'm just going to keep it nice and simple. Say the reason why Dustin Bufflin shouldn't be drafted here is because if you want a defenseman, you got to grab Roman Yosi. That's my, that's my, that's my time. I yield the rest of my time. <laughs> so let's say Yosi goes one pick before this, Elon. Are you taking Dustin Bufflin at 48? Mm, good question. 49. Uh, sure, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I think he's a okay pick here, but uh, that's not the situation. That's not the game we're playing. Where are you um, looking? Where are you looking? What are you doing? 
I live in a, a tiny town, and somebody just walked by with a, a Calgary Flames set. So I, I was watching them. I was like, oh, <laughs> potential friend. I know. <laughs> it's, it's hard to find. Yeah. See you guys. I'm going to jump off my balcony real quick. Um, chase them down. Uh, I think the thing with Dustin Bufflin that kind of draws me to, to Dave's point is that you are going to get a – like if he was guaranteed to play 80 games – he would be a top 30, top 35 pick. He'd be, he, who's to say he won't have the Giordano year that Mark Giordano just had. And I mean, that is a, that is an outlier season from Giordano that you're not going to expect a mid thirties defenseman to, you know, like you're not going to just assume that that's coming for a mid thirties defenseman. But I do really think that Dustin Bufflin has a shot to go undervalued in a lot of leagues this year. And I'm very in on him at this point. So as much as I also really like Roman Yossi, I, I gotta I gotta say that I like Dustin Bufflin in this spot as well. Yeah. I'm sure it was just because Dave is losing by so much. Yeah, probably Dave, subconsciously wanted to throw him a bone. I'm probably it's, winning overall. It's a sympathy pick. It's yeah. By the way, uh, I should have argued. I, this is my bad that I lost this point because I should have mentioned that Josh Morrissey is looking pretty good. He actually had a 43. Oh please! I'm just saying, <laughs> ten power play points last year in 60 games from the second power play. That's pretty good. I mean, uh, I don't know. And well, I, think that, I do think that Bufflin's entering a stage in his career. We we saw it last year where they're they're happy to let him, you know, take the games off in the regular season and save it for the playoffs. But I don't know. I, I just I agree with Dave's perspective that you are you're trying to grab value here and you're trying to get somebody who, when they're on the ice, they're going to get points. And Dustin Bufflin is going to be underrated in a lot of leagues. All right. Well, at least I'll have the guaranteed win when we get to Roman Yosi at fifty six because uh, Bufflin will be on. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I keep forgetting that's coming. I'll be ready for it next not, time. Not unless there's people behind them that are even better. Okay, uh, so what am I doing here? I'm going pro Matthew Kachuk. Matty TK. All right, at 50. That's pretty good value. I feel like the only reason people are like not as excited about Kachuk as his numbers indicate is because they're like, hey, he's not on the top line. Like, I don't know, like feel nervous not picking a guy who's on the top line, but this guy doesn't need to be on the freaking top line. He just had 77 points last year from the second line, playing with Mikhail Backlund and Michael Froelich. Like, these are not great line mates. Like, Backlund's solid, sure. But, you know, and he still, like, dominates. That To me, that just tells... Oh, by the way, he's only 21 years old, which is crazy. So he's probably going to get better in terms of just skill as he matures. Plus, like, maybe it's possible... Like, this doesn't need to happen, but maybe it's possible Calgary gets someone decent to play, like, right wing on the second line. Like, is that not completely beyond the realm of possibility? So... Like, I feel like Kachuk could get better line mates. He's already killing it even with not great line mates. Plus, in a league like ours, guy threw 104 hits last year, takes over 200 shots. Like, so he's going to help you with the multi-cat, which gives you a solid floor. He's great on the power play. And he gets a ton of even strength points with nobodies. Who knows? Maybe at some point uh, someone gets injured. Next thing you know, Kachuk's on the top line, and he's, like, scorching, uh, like, above a point per game. I feel like the ceiling is high, and the floor is, like, pretty high also. <laughs> oh, Elon, you are grasping at straws here. Am I? <laughs> okay, so you pretty much admitted he has no one to play with. Um, you said, oh, yeah, maybe he might get better line mates. If the first line is secure as you say it is, who are going to be those line mates? Like, you already mentioned the two scrubs that he's playing with. Well, I mean, maybe they make a trade. Part- well, I'll, I, like you get my point, though. I'm saying maybe they'll trade back for James Neal, and he'll become 2008 James Neal or <laughs> maybe something. Maybe Sam like Bennett that. will earn that high <laughs> draft pick that he was taken at a while back. I don't know. They have some. Who literally? Who do they have? It's so weird, right? They have uh, 
They have I nobody. Luch- I got Luchik. <laughs> yeah, hey, let's, Luchik. Let's leave the flames alone, folks. <laughs> hey, hey I, I'll go bust out my flame sweater right now if I need to get in this point. <laughs> I mean, uh, but yeah, the, to check, he got 41 of the 77 points on the power play. That is completely unsustainable. Uh, there's no, no he way. Didn't. That- what are you talking about? He got 11 goals and 30 assists on the power play. Oh, Where wait, are no, you right. looking? What's your source? Ah, oh, crap. I'm looking at the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Oh, I didn't get that, too. <laughs> <laughs> crap. <laughs> Scratch that. Okay. So, to be clear, I was looking at his regular season uh, assists. He actually got 13 power play assists. That did make sense. He was mainly a front guy of the power play. So he's not someone who's going to get a lot of assists on the power play anyways. So, yeah, that is weird. How did he get 77 points playing with those scrubs? That's my main argument. Talent. Plus, that, by the way, another argument I forgot to make, but I'll just t- I'll make it now. Left wing. Well, you know you know how hard it is to find left wings. We've been doing these couple slow drafts. Or not a couple. Ugh, I'm getting all mixed up with my turn. The Almanac slow drafts. Uh, and, like, left wings are hard to find. Like, who's going to be the next left wing to go after Matthew Kachuk here? Oh, actually, we have one coming next. But, I mean, like, you know, like, they're, they're a lot harder to find. So, I feel like that's another big argument in his favor at 50. I think I'd rather have his brother, Brady. Well, Get out of here. <laughs> you just lost the point. <laughs> but no, like, honestly, where you're taking him right now above the people, some of the people that's behind him real quick, just like Radulov, Latang, Forsberg, Yossi, as Elon was going on and on about, I'd much rather have those consistent scores, regardless of if he's a left wing or not, uh, you're pretty much taking him at his last season value, which I think is his absolute ceiling. Uh, he's probably much more likely to get a 60. And I'd say with like maybe a floor of like 55, I'd, I'd say Damn. maybe, a, maybe a ceiling of 65, a floor of 55, uh, somewhere in there sounds a little bit more accurate to me. Uh, yeah. If players never get better after if, age, if 21. you're going <laughs> to take him here, if you're going to take him here, um, in the top 50, uh, you're more than welcome to join my money league. Uh, and you know what? Since you, you're going to take him here, Elon, you're welcome to join tier one. Come on in. <laughs> oh, I will. I have a quibble with both of your arguments here. Um, Dave, you said, how did he get to 77 points? It's because he was shooting 16.4% last year. Like, that's a huge, I would I would argue, like, that's a huge point to hit on when we're talking about whether or not Matty Kachuk can... Uh, can repeat last year. I don't know the 34 goals from the second line is sustainable. Elon, you tried to argue that maybe Sam Bennett will, will be able to, to play with them. And I joke. mean, I know, but just let's not talk about Sam Bennett here. Uh, it's not, it's never a good time in Calgary when you start talking about Sam Bennett. Um, I'm really split on this though, for those two reasons. I, I do agree with Elon's point about the floor. It's super safe with Matt, Matt Kachuk. Um, he actually Wait, kind of reminds can I argue? Can I one sec before you make your ruling? Because I know once, yeah. once you make your ruling, it's final, right? Like we're not allowed to argue with you. Uh, yes, sure. <laughs> if let's say he didn't have that sixteen point four shooting percentage, if he had a thirteen point two shooting percentage, which is which is his career average, then he would have been down to like looks like twenty seven goals. So then he loses, let's say seven points. He's down to like seventy. But you know, sometimes you take a shot and it misses, and someone else scores on the rebounds. So give him like seventy one, seventy two. It's still still pretty good. I'm just throwing it out there. Elon, are you you willing to go on record that he's the best forward available? For now, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not for now. I mean, maybe the best. That's what what on record means. 
Well, first of all, I don't have to make the argument that he's the best forward available. I just have to make the argument that he's the best left wing available because it's all about value over replacement. And sure, why not? Who's better? I think the argument... Uh, I won't say anything, actually. Never mind. Um, yeah, I I do kind of like Matthew Kachuk here as the thing because he's so safe. But he, what I was going to say is he's kind of just like the left wing version of Vinny Trocek, right? Like where he hits and he shoots and he does not play on that top line, but he is getting you power play deployment. Um, he's safe, but... There are a lot of really good players available still, uh, and for that reason, I'm going to go con on this Ooh. one. Good, good choice. Good choice. <laughs> oh man, I thought I was running away with this thing. I'm going to need uh, to be no, saved. No, I would, I would, yeah, I would have re- like all the other ones you rolled in favor with Elon. Like I can kind of agree with you, but if you were to roll it in favor there, I would have been. I would have had issues. I don't know. My arguments were were pretty spot on, but okay. I so I didn't say your arguments were bad. I'm just saying he's just legitimately. Yeah, no, now, and, now that it's over, do you agree with your sentiment, Elon? Would you take him here? I mean, I also have that sort of gut. Like, do I really want a guy on the second line as one of my like top like four picks? But then I like you look at the the data, right? And like he's just and he's only 21. Like that really appeals to me. So it's like. I would feel a little weird making my, him my pick here, but at the same time, I don't feel like I'm going to be... Like, maybe in the Almanac, I could see myself putting down, like, a 65 or, like, a 68 or something, you know, which is, like, still pretty good. And I feel like that, to me, is more of a floor because also that power, that Calgary top power play is really good. And, like, I don't know like, I don't know how he does it, but he's doing it. So I feel like it could only get better if, as he gets older and the line mates can't get worse. So, like, maybe something happens and he gets better line mates. <laughs> His line is okay. Like playing with Backlund is a pretty, that's a very good top six center. So I don't really think that he's been like hamstrung. There is the chance though, that he does. They are just like, fuck it. And they load up on the top line and he just, he shreds. So, I mean, I could see him. There is a scenario where he pays off and he is a top 30 player. There's no doubt. All right. So uh, now I have to put an explicit rating. On this I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brian won't listen, so it'll be fine. Uh, so, Dave, now you're arguing pro. You're arguing pro Jamie Ben, another left wing you could have taken uh, instead of Matthew Kachuk, I guess. And I will, yeah, because I didn't want to take Kachuk. Uh, Jamie Ben, easy choice here. Seems like he's been in the league forever, right? So he must be super old, super fragile. Wrong. He's only 30 years young, and he's hasn't missed more than looks like five games ever since 2013. So not only is he still young, he's still very durable. He still plays left wing position eligibility. Um, I'm a little bit concerned with the shots. He did go down from 241 to 189, but I feel like some of that might've been him trying to overcompensate for the fact that his shots weren't falling as much as he normally would have liked. And he wasn't putting up the amount of points that he normally was. But what I do like in regards to that is kind of how I mentioned before, how the stars did sign a bunch of new players. And so, Kind of last year, we saw the lines shuffle around a little bit. There were times where Ben wasn't always playing on the top line. Now I think it's more of a sure thing that he will be on that top line up there with Pavelski and Sagan. And obviously, he's going to stay on the top power play as well. As Elon mentioned, that top power play is most likely locked in. And so I don't see any reason why he shouldn't bounce back. It was only two seasons ago. He was nearly a point per game player, 79 points in 82 games. And yeah, 53 is a pretty dramatic fall off, but we've seen this before with plenty of players. Like uh, I think it was Vorchek not too long ago and things of that sort, or Drew, I believe it was. Um, 
And so, yeah, I would gladly take him here with the position, with the likelihood of him bouncing back, and just uh, the consistency that he puts up normally, other than one little blip in the radar. Yeah, I mean, you say like he hasn't missed any games in the past little while, barely missed. I mean, you look at his point totals last year, it looks like he missed a lot of games. Maybe he was like in the lineup, but I don't think he was actually fully there. Because how did he only end up with 53 points? What is that even? Not even fantasy relevant, I think, in a 12-team league, right? Especially if it's not a bangers league. Like, Ben... Obviously, he has a great history. You, you feel good about drafting Jamie Ben in like the fifth round or whatever this is. Because like, damn, I got Jamie Ben so late. But what you just drafted is a guy who's just shown you a floor of 53 points. Or, you know, like he could go that low. We've seen it happen. And we have some, like we have Alex Radulov who got ranked next, who's on the same team. And I guess I'm going to be arguing for him soon, so I might as well just do a twofer right here. You got Radulov, who was locked in with Sagan all, all year, pretty much. And he got 72 points the year before, also 72 points. His 72 points last year were in only 70 games. It's an 84-point pace. Plus, he took more shots than Jamie Benn in, like, fewer games. And he, like, all like people are like, oh, Jamie Benn is, like, so great for multicat. He's great. So is freaking Radulov. Like, maybe he doesn't hit as much, but Radulov had 83 blocks last year. So I'm just looking at a guy who's, like, not coming off a down season, also a winger. He's, like, right wing, so we're not comparing, like, a center to a left wing. Gets more, gets more points. Also is great with the multi-cat. So, I mean, why are you having to uh, waste, uh, or not waste, but, you know, it's like you're kind of taking a little bit of a risk with Jamie Ben when Radulov seems like just a sure thing. He's, uh, you know, basically just as young as Ben and looking better. And I could also mention some other players later. Like, I like... I like the balls of picking Ben here just because like he has a great history, but at the same time you are taking a bit of a risk that it could just continue to not work out. Like he's, you know, could just be on a downswing of his career. Elon, didn't you just draft Jamie Ben around this spot in a slow draft that we're in together? I do not recall, uh, <laughs> but that shouldn't be relevant for this. <laughs> Was Radulov available at the time? Let's go there. You did draft Radulov ahead of this spot, I'm noticing. All right, uh, remind me again. What draft are we in? And then while you give your uh, rankings, you picked, I'll I'm, I'm thinking, I think, of the, the one that we're in every summer with the the dedicated. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Um, the one where I'm still Christian Dvorak. Now you know, yeah, you did take him in uh, at 52 overall. So, Elon, you are um, a big hypocrite around here, it sounds like. Um, <laughs> Wait, was that wow. again? You, you got cut off. It does look like you would have him around here uh, in one league anyway. I mean, who knows what the draft dynamics were like. I I was just curious to pull this up. Uh, I honestly feel like I would be a bit of a hypocrite to to pull on Jamie, to to go pro on Jamie Ben here. Um, Having just talked about Matthew Kachuk, I don't really see why I would, you know, why we would assume the Stars have a loaded top three when they just added a fourth, you know, top line forward. I in my opinion, I would split them and go two and two. I don't see why it would be Ben and Sagan. I think that if I think that I would prefer to have Radulov and Sagan stay together and maybe go Pavelski and Ben on line two. I mean, either way, there's significant reason to be concerned about Jamie Ben's even strength deployment. I do think they probably stick the the top four forwards on power play one, but I think I'm a little nervous about Jamie Ben as a 30 year old who plays. Uh, you know, Jamie Ben is two or three months older than me, so I'm trying not to say that he's old, but I am going to say that his game will age a lot quicker than a skill player or like more of a like a less physical player. So I'm just a little bit concerned about Jamie Ben. I wouldn't want to buy him this early in a draft, so I will go con for Jamie Ben. 
Boom. All right. And then just like get that next point for me. I can't, like, be, I can't be too mad at that. <laughs> All right. Well, are you going to be mad about this next one? Because like I said, Alex Radulov went 52. Ben in our slow draft, who went first between Ben and Radulov. Can you check that? I assume please? it was Radulov. Uh, it's kind of hard to do because you have to switch between teams to find. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, then I'll just go real quick. Okay. You look it up while I'm talking here. Uh, yeah. it's. Uh, I think the patrons, we have a lot of smart people. I always recommend for people to play in the cup because you're playing in some of the smartest people out there. But unfortunately, even the smartest people make a mistake sometimes. And the patrons blew it by letting Radulov fall all the way to 52 here. This guy's been like super consistent these past two seasons. Like I said, he is a multi-category guy. He's like including blocks, like 83 blocks last season. You can't like in 70 games for a forward. That is like super valuable. Like this is a points league. So you're getting like whatever it is, 0.5 per block. If you're in a, just a categories league, like this guy is like putting up like meager, like a decent, not decent, like, you know, a pretty solid defenseman, you know, like a replacement level maybe of blocks. Like it's, it's for a forward 83 blocks is insane. Plus, like I said, like he had it's a, won a game. Yeah, that's okay. Like I'm saying, you're not going to draft a defenseman who's doing that for his blocks, but one a game for a forward is, is huge. That's, that's a significant thing. Plus, like I said, like uh, 84 point pace this past season, he shoots. I think his situation stays the same. I think he's still going to play with Sagan and maybe like a Rupe Hints or something on that left wing. But his power play just got better, bringing Pavelski in. So maybe he even, uh, maybe Dallas scores more power play points and he gets in on more of them. Also, I think Klingberg bounces back. And I just think all the pieces are there for Radulov to do exactly what he just did or at least be close to it. Like maybe if he's not an 84 point pace, maybe we're looking at like a 80 point pace or like 78. Either way, definitely worthwhile here in a multi-category league like ours at 52. What a steal. First off, never in my life have I heard someone say that one block a game is something that is valuable. I'm pretty sure that's like kind of going right as long as you're just out on the ice. You're going to get hit by a puck with every once in a while. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he is not. I'll follow up with that in saying he is not as much as a perifs guy as you would think. You would think like, oh, yeah, this burly Russian, like he's going to go out, throw a bunch of hits, get a bunch of shots. Not the case. He gets actually more blocks than he does hits only 60 hits uh he only had let me see here 209 shots last year not that much a couple seasons before he only had 147 so that's, that's definitely something to look out for. no that's you're pretty much different you're, pr- you're pretty much banking on the fact that he's going to be playing with superstars and we saw how much they shipped it up their lines last year kind of when they were struggling to get their offense going they kind of became a little bit more of a defensive-minded team down the stretch and in the playoffs. And so I might be worried that they might want to stick towards that, maybe not be as much willing to just abandon their defense and fly up the ice like they normally are. We don't know who's going to get like the outs on that top power play. It might very well be Radulov. He's also not getting any younger at 33 years of age. And so I just would much rather go with someone with a little bit more uh, – top power play uh, assuredness and someone that's going to get me more perifs. Okay. By the way, want to try to guess there's only one forward in the league that had more blocks than Alex Radulov. I could give you a hundred guesses. You won't guess. What if I tell you the team, a Detroit Red Wings center. Want to take a try? uh, You almost said it just now. Gustav? No. What, What did you just, you said like, Luke Glendening. Yeah, Luke Glendening. (laughs) That's 102. And then Radulov was next with his 82. All right. Good argument, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to win this one. 
knocked. Yeah, I don't see how you can argue against 80-plus blocks from a forward. That's pretty solid. Um, obviously, it's, you're not looking for forwards to be your blocks. Three, point 0.3 a game in a couple. But that's – wait, what? Or point 0.5. Yeah. Yeah, added. I mean, it's added value. It adds to the floor. Um, in general, it's just really tough to argue against Radulov here. Uh, he had such an incredible year, and I do think that he's their number one option to stick with Sagan on the top line. Uh, I, yeah, I can't argue against Radulov here. I, I got to go with Elon. First, your first your con stars. Now your pro stars. <laughs> I know. I'm. Uh, I'm seeing stars. <laughs> you know, like uh, that 0.5 per game adds up, right? Like Radulov had 6.01 fantasy points per game last year. And then you're scrolling down pretty far to find someone who's less that, you know, then you're down like Cam Atkinson at 5.49. Like, it, it, that, that, you know, if he didn't have any blocks, he'd be at the Cam Atkinson level. So those blocks definitely helped him beat a lot of guys. No, I can't be too mad at him. He helped me win the championship. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, now. I guess uh, you did say before that you would take Chris Letang over Morgan Riley. So I guess you can make that argument here when he went at number 53. Yeah, Letang, absolutely elite defenseman. Uh, Probably uh, all things considered, like we said before, if everyone's playing all 82, he's probably one of the top five easily. He's on the most dynamic power play in the league. Um, he when he's in there he gets points he had 56 and 65 games last year and that's the whole thing with Latang, right he's the band-aid boy but we can't deny the fact when he's in there he's absolutely electric in only 65 games last year he had 206 shots and if you thought 83 blocks was a lot wow he got 111 and only 65 <laughs> but i digress uh, whenever he's going to be in there, he's going to be absolute dynamic for your team. And like I said before, you can't draft scared. Don't draft someone based on the fact that he might get injured. That's how you end up winning your league by getting players like this at this late in the game. And they can absolutely carry you all the way to your championship. Yeah. I mean, I would respect the move of drafting Latang here, but you are playing with fire last year. I actually traded for him at the trade deadline in my fantasy. Cause again, he was having like an amazing season, right? He ended up with a 71 point pace. Can't argue 56 and 65 games, but then he got hurt, missed like February. He got hurt on February 23rd. Didn't come back for a month. Then he came back for three games. Then like he missed the last couple of weeks of the season as well. Just came back for two games. So it was just like right in the heart of the fantasy playoffs. This guy could just disappear and kill your chances when it matters most. Okay. So that's point number one against the tank. The obvious one, the health concerns. Number two, Two seasons ago, he only had 51 points in 79 games. It was like the first season ever that he played almost the full season. And he kind of like wasn't worth the pick here, right? A 53-point pace. It's nothing. And I wonder if there's something to be said for it. It doesn't happen too often because these guys are both hurt all the time. But we have seen times in like I think two, three seasons ago when Justin Schultz is healthy and Chris Letang is healthy, we do sometimes see Justin Schultz getting a crack on that top power play and Letang on power play too. I definitely remember that happening. Not saying it's a high probability thing, but like that's something that could happen that could maybe bring down his points per game. And one other argument against Latang's points per game, 56 points in 65 games last season. That was with 19 on the power play. So it's more than two, like one third of his points. And don't forget, Phil Kessel is gone. Like, I don't think that's a negligible thing. Like, I think that Pittsburgh power play could lose a few points. All of a sudden, maybe Latang isn't a 71 point pace guy. Maybe you bring him down like a 65 point pace guy. Then plus you account for the fact that maybe Justin Schultz gets in there a little bit, or he like regresses back to what he was doing in 2017, 18. All of a sudden you're down to 60 points. And now I'm, and plus then he's going to miss time with injury. I don't know if it's all these things put together. Is it really worth the risk when you can still have Roman freaking Yosi who hasn't been 
drafted yet. So that, that, I'm done. It's tough here because I I I said this last last episode. When you are drafting a defenseman, you're also drafting a player who is less likely to be in on points, and therefore their point totals tend to be less consistent. But like Chris friggin' Latang, like he's had one off year in his career as far as point pace goes. Like he's just always good. Um, I am personally not. I, I mean, I I referenced this earlier in, in the previous episode as well. Not a big Phil Kessel guy at this point in his career. He has some amazing talents, but I really don't think he's driving the bus. Uh, to me, if I'm drafting a defenseman here, I need to make sure that he's either the best or arguably the best option available. And that's what Chris Letang is to me. So I'm, I got to go with Dave on this one. Oh boy. Woo. All right. Okay. It's like, I can't argue because I do like the idea that you're playing fantasy to win and not like not to lose, if you know what I mean. So I do kind of like the idea of taking a swing because if it does pay off, then you've got this like, you know, 70 point defenseman pretty late in the draft. But if it doesn't pay off, you better uh, be a skilled player to be able to navigate losing this guy because you could have had Roman Yosi or Tori Krug or someone and they would have, like, you know, most likely been there for you in your fantasy playoffs, not like Latang last year. But all right, Dave, you got the point. I feel like we're getting pretty close here as we go to number 54, Philip Forsberg. And uh, that's me. I get to argue for Forsberg. How late do you want to go, by the way, guys? What is it? 8.50 now. Uh, we Maybe at least another 10 players. Then, then we'll reassess. Give it a shot. All right. I, I never asked you guys like what your actual availabilities are. For yeah, me. that's fine. Yeah. Let me know when you're tired. Uh, the first one to bail, if it's Dave or I, then they lose a point for being the first to bail. How about that? <laughs> All right, so Forsberg, of course, had a down year last year, 50 points in 64 games for a 64-point pace. Again, I'm getting these guys who had quote-unquote down years, which were still like probably even good enough to be drafted here or close, right? He had the 64-point pace, but he did take 217 shots in only 64 games. That's like, uh, you know, a couple seasons before that, he had 234 shots in a whole season. So this guy's shooting more than he ever has. He had a lower shooting percentage than he's used to. Also, I don't think people remember this about Philip Forster. This guy hits. He had 100 hits last year in only 64 games. So this guy's helping you in your bangers league. Left wing eligible. And plus, come on, 64-point pace last year, that's probably not going to happen again. He's the star on his team. They've got Matt Duchesne now, so maybe if, you know, Ryan Johansson isn't able to uh, help get Forsberg points, they shift it around. All of a sudden, he's got Matt Duchesne as the center. Plus, he's got now both on the power play to help him get some power play points. Only 10 power play points last year for Philip Forsberg compared to 21 the year before. That power play wasn't clicking, and I feel like the addition of Matt Duchesne should help. Also, just some, like, positive regression. You know, just like maybe they had some bad luck last year. So I feel like Philip Forsberg is almost for sure going to have a better pace next season. And you could add his shots, you add his hits, you add his position eligibility. Seems like a pretty nice slam dunk pick here at 54. Boom. I'm going to concede this pick. That's it. We're done. Wow. I can't, I, I can't argue against him. Such a good pick here. The argument against him is that the power play is is that is as bad as it was last year, and that like this team might just not have a good power play, or that he he himself might not be talented on the power play. I, I mean, I'm still gonna go pro on Philip stretching. Yeah, but, I knew, I knew uh, that was coming no matter what. Yeah, yeah, I, I would. I mean, I don't think I've written it down yet, but it was you were definitely arguing uphill against. <laughs> I, I was I was just trying to while you were talking the whole time I was just trying to think of anything to say and pretty much the only stuff I could come up with was well 
shooting percentage. He didn't have a down year in shooting percentage. He shot like 12.9 in his career is 12.6. <laughs> so, I mean, he shot it like pretty much his exactly career average. So he didn't have a down shooting percentage year. But other than that, like, yeah, he's a lock for top line, top power play. So, and he the might get play some- sucks though. That's the problem. Like they, they were awful last year. And if that is like, they didn't, if they don't unlock that power play, then he is definitely, I mean, his floor is still fairly safe at this point, but yeah, he definitely has a ceiling. If that, if that power play can click this year, that is much higher than this spot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously they're hoping that Matt Duchesne coming in is going to make a difference, right? Like Duchesne had uh, actually only had 14 power play points last year. Actually Duchesne, he's never had more than 12 oh, in his like rookie season. Duchesne had 21 power play points. But uh, I guess they're hoping something will click with him in Nashville. I'm not even convinced that Duchesne is like meant to be the fixture for Forsberg. I think that they're happy if it's like Johansson and Forsberg have been fine together. Obviously, the power play notwithstanding. But I think for them, it's just an issue of of center depth. And Kyle Turris proved, or maybe not proved, but last year Kyle Turris was not a number two center. Having Duchesne, I think you can safely say that their top two lines will be centered strongly and they have strong depth there now. Uh, I don't know that he's a lock to play with Forsberg, though. Yeah, no, but on the power play, he is, right? You think so? I mean, I would assume you go Forsberg, uh, Johansson, Arvidsson, Duchesne, and Roman Josie. That would be like the best top power play uh, unless you're going to make like dave's dallas argument that you just want to split it up a little bit or well, I, I think that they are the argument for splitting it up is like i don't think arvidson was top power play has been like power play one uh for a full season at all they i think that they've had craig smith there have they not and they had uh it was they had ryan ellis up there like they, no, but they had craig smith there back when they didn't have matt duchene like craig smith it like say is the next best but i think duchene's better than craig smith i would agree with you i just think that they for some reason that team feels has felt compelled in the past to go uh two defensemen on the top power play and i mean if they're willing to buy into four forwards one defense i think that gives them a, a lot of a chance i think there's a lot of room to improve i guess is what i'm getting at and i hope that they do it yeah, I think that like I'm not so sure about Matt Duchesne for next year, but I am pretty good about Philip Forsberg. And then, yes, you know, I agree with you. We won't even talk about Duchesne, it looks like. So, uh, Dave, you now get to make the argument since you yielded your time in the last one. Feel free, take double time to argue for Mika Zibanejad at 55. Let David, I think Dave should be allowed to choose his side since he conceded the last point. No, I mean, we're going to give him credit for being a big wimp. I don't know. No, no, I, I definitely want this. I definitely want the pro on this one. Go for it. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. So Benajad, easy, easy pick here. I mean, we were talking about before kind of like how Elon was using it as a pro argument that uh, Tchak had all those points while, while playing with scrubs and with no one on his line. I'd also kind of make that argument for Zibanejad here. He had 74 points last year, and pretty much the only name he was playing with was Ryder, if you can even call that a name, this season completely different. You got the bread man, Panarin, and Kipo Kako. Did I destroy that name? Kapo. I think you got the Kapo right. Kapo. I don't know about the Kipo. <laughs> no, it's Kapo Kako. Kapo Kako. I like it when Dave gets it wrong. We shouldn't correct him. <laughs> 
We got uh, the guitar player, the capo man. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Crunch. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just going to be. And then obviously you got Truba. So the power play is going to be a lot better and everything like that. It's all looking gravy right now for the Rangers. So you're going to be so much better than last year. And the Benajaz is going to reap all the benefits of that, mainly on the power play. I like to see that those numbers improve greatly. I don't see any reason to see that he's not going to be another. He wasn't a point per game player last year. I think this year he can easily be a point per game player and getting someone that's that close to being almost a sure thing to a point per game player i'd say as a floor of 70 points and getting someone with that high of the floor this late in the draft is an absolute steal he gets shots he gets hits he also has 66 blocks i know how much like that elon <laughs> and so i think this is a slam dunk pick i'd love to hear why you would not want to pick him here all right, so Ben, am I allowed, like, does it help me or hurt me if I say points that Dave could have made but didn't make, like, to argue against his point? I would just no. wait. I would wait until after I rule. All right, fine. Well, I think this is fair to say, at least. Dave, you're saying he was playing with scrubs last year. Uh, Matt Zuccarello, he's no scrub. He's getting paid money now to go to Minnesota. and He got was- traded. Okay, but I'm saying, like, he was, they were making sweet music together. There's a reason why Zuccarello was such a high, highly, uh, you know, ranked option for trades i don't know why my brain stopped thinking of words right there but like people were into him because he was having like a career year on the rangers before getting traded obviously that was a big part of zabanajad's points because they were playing together also i guess my main argument against him is yeah he had a great year last year but i've said this about some other players like he's done it once so who knows if it's going to happen again right he had 47 points the year before that 37 and 56 the year before that so that's like a 54 point pace he's actually never had higher than a 54 point pace before last season he's already 26 this guy's played a lot of seasons in the league so yeah you can say like oh from what we saw last year it was great and now it should get even better but there's also the possibility i'm not saying it's a guarantee but there is the possibility that maybe he just got a bit lucky last year and he won't be able to keep that up for the following season and like if you take a look at some other players available at this point in the draft you know, you've got some guys who do it uh, year in, year out. You're Logan Couture's, you're even Joe Pavelski's. Uh, so I don't know. Like, uh, obviously, I agree with you that the ceiling is there for Zabanajad, especially with Panarin in. But I, I don't know if that floor is as high as you think it is, just because for a guy who has a 70-point floor, he sure has a lot of 55-point seasons under his belt. What point pace are, are you thinking his floor is, Elon? Can I... Uh, okay just make your ruling okay I, <laughs> i'm just trying to i'm trying to stall because i have to count how many times either of you slandered other rangers to dock you that amount of points um, <laughs> i'd say okay how about this how about i'll say his floor is 54 points because that's the pace he put up the previous two seasons you go ahead and say that um <laughs> i mean i just don't know how i could I don't see how I could vote against him. The only the only problem I have with Zabanajad right now is I've seen him go like top thirty five, top thirty in some in some uh, drafts that I've been in, and that is too rich for me. Uh, at fifty fifty five, is that where we are right now? Fifty two fifty three. Uh, I don't know. I lost my spot. <laughs> uh, fifty five. Yeah, I gotta take. I'm good with Zabanajad here. He's got the hits. He's got the shots, and he added uh, an elite winger that he's never he's never played with a player of this caliber. I mean, yes, he and Zuccarello were fantastic together. I don't see how that's really a knock on him to have an even better player on the right wing. And there's the possibility. This has been said by David Quinn that Capo Caco starts on that top line. 
The power play is going to be even better. And he is the shooter on that power play. Like he just added an elite playmaker to it. So yeah, I'm good with uh, Zibanejad at 55. Yeah. Uh, forget everything I said. I love Zibanejad here. <laughs> I just didn't want to be a wimp like Dave and not even make an argument. <laughs> but uh, no, I think his floor is a lot higher than 54. <laughs> like uh, this guy is, I think the Rangers are going far. They don't have to worry. I know Brian will just, Brian will be really mad when he hears this, but I feel like they're not being anchored by Kevin Shattenkirk anymore as their uh, best offensive defense. And they got Jacob freaking Shruba. Don't even worry about Brian. He threw his headphones in the garbage after I swore. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> He's not listening. He's finding a new podcast to make uh, looking for new co-hosts. <laughs> All right, which means you guys get to join me every week. Uh, okay, yeah. easy one now. Roman Yosi, I've already brought him up. He should have been drafted 10 picks ago, and here we are with him at 56. I mean, I guess I could just repeat myself for fun. He had, um, like, okay, I'm bringing him up right now. I apologize. Uh, let's go frozen pool. Uh, load your page. All right, 56 points last year for defenseman is great, and that was even, like, not the best season that we've seen from him. Like, we've even seen him hit 60. And I think a lot of that had to do with 12 power play points, which is like insane for someone who played 82 games is supposed to be the top power play guy. To be fair, he only played 55% of the power play because PK Subban got on there every once in a while. Uh, like everything we've talked about before, like I, we talked about Matt Shane coming in, maybe helping to improve that power play. As long as we believe that this power play can be at least a little better, we're already raising the floor for Roman Yosi. Plus with Subban out of the picture, he's going to probably be getting like the maximum amount of even strength time, like the maximum amount of power play time. Plus like what other defensemen are we talking about after him? Uh, I guess I'll let Dave go and say the list, but I feel like Yosi is the one who also like durable, right? He's not as likely to get injured as some of these other guys. He's still only 29. Like I still feel like, uh, last season wasn't as good as he'll be next season. And honestly, even if he was just sticking with what he did last season, that would be worth drafting here because that would rank him, I think, higher than all these guys that went later in the draft for defensemen and fantasy points per game, a couple scoring. Uh, well, I'll start out by saying just a few picks ago, um, Elon's main argument against Chris Letang was that he was poo-pooing his so-called down dreadful year of only 51 points. And so... Josie's never really had anything crazy more above that. And he had 56, uh, 53, 49. So nothing too crazy. I mean, it's good. Uh, but I'd much rather have some more other defensemen that are still out there. We just got done pumping up Truba, who's still available. PK Subban's going to be on that. The new superstars of the New Jersey Devils. Tory Krug is consistently excellent. And so I still feel this is a little bit rich for my blood. He gets some blocks and some shots, sure, but he doesn't really get a lot of hits or anything like that. And we just mentioned how their power play isn't going to be that good. And who was quarterbacking their power play last year? Roman Yosi. And so I would kind of let someone else who's a little bit uh, has a uh, block fetish kind of go ahead and take Josie here and uh, take someone who is a little bit more um, uh, position scarcity with the defensemen that are still available behind him here. Hmm. Like, but Dave, just so you're aware, Yosi in couple 5.05 fantasy points per game. All these other guys you said, like, way behind him, like Tori Krug 4.48, Jacob Chuba 4.38. I got to scroll forever to get to PK Subban. Here he is 3.86. So it's like you basically have to make new the argument, team, new team. Yeah, so fine. You have to make the argument that all these guys are going to do better and that Roman Yosi is going to do worse. I don't, I don't know if you uh, made that argument. You just did. Like, even if he sticks with what he did. 
He's still he's still better than these guys. He sticks with what he did, then he's still sticking on a bad power play. Yeah, and he still has more fancy points than most defensemen. All the ones that haven't been taken. All right, Dave, we haven't heard the gavel in a while. Uh, yes, I'm warming it up for just this occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think I just called you Dave. I meant Ben. <laughs> same guy. We're the exact same. Um, <laughs> uh, what am I trying to say here? Dustin Bufflin, Morgan Riley, Seth Jones. What do these defensemen have in common? I would draft all of them after Roman Yossi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roman Yossi pro. <laughs> nice. Okay. I was wondering, like, did his audio just cut out? But no, it's the delay. It was, <laughs> yeah. I was building suspense. <laughs> I was I was grasping his straws a little bit there. He's so like he's so good here. Having the like no doubt range he, on one, having all of the peripherals. Like he could is would anyone be shocked if he beat his career record like for points and just had an incredible top five D man year? No. And even nope. if he and even if he doesn't, he's great for those blocks. So he gives you that great floor and shots. And Subban's gone, so there's no like last year. Yeah, he did have top power play for most of it, but you know there was still that risk in fantasy that he could lose it because Subban had been on the top power play the year before. And now there's no risk of anyone stealing it from him. Well, yeah, and he probably felt more inclined to kind of like get off the ice a little bit quicker, yeah. knowing that he's there. So I think, yeah, I think it's just all good things with Roman Yossi here. Yeah, I, I like it. also like it is a bit of just saying like I just think that their power play will be better. Like it may, cha- I think chances are that it will, but like if it isn't, there's still a, such a safe floor for both him and Forsberg at this spot. I'm good. Yeah, actually, this is like it's picks like this that make me think that maybe next year normally i've always been like a draft d early and i think dave and i've had this argument in this series that when i've been arcing pro on some defense when they went early but dave like your point really kind of like comes through here when i w- was arguing you know like pro eric carlson at 12 pro like you know john carlson at 28 like you, you know these guys victor hedman at 24 like really is roman yosi that much worse and you could wait like you know five rounds later and get him get some more stud forwards so like I don't know. I'm going to have to think about my draft strategy next year. It would be hard for me to wait for defensemen this long just because I feel that itch always and I have that worry that I'm not going to be able to fill my defensemen. But I feel like, you know, this is this would be great I, value and then there's still some good players later. I will say that you won't be able to get him here probably in most drafts because this is one of those instances where uh, Subban got traded and then Josie obviously immediately became more veil, uh, right. more valuable. So he got went he went pretty quick in the rankings. Oh, I see. So, yeah, this was done... He he was getting on until the trade happened. Interesting. Uh, even still, though, I even think still, still, I still think he would have been good value here. Yeah. yeah. Do we, right. this exercise kind of lends itself to defensemen getting picked a little bit later, though, because you're not actually drafting a team while you're ranking. You're really just trying to put one player versus the other. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if all of these players were gone by you know fifty or fifty five. Yeah. Yeah. Runs are gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, like, if I was taking this, like, I'm not especially in snake drafts. Yeah, like, not to say I didn't take this seriously, but if I was like really wanting to make the perfect picks, I like normally when I do my draft prep, I'm making a spreadsheet a la the Dom Lucician way, where I have value over replacement as one of my columns, where I'm like taking all the projections and then I'm comparing it to the you know, that you take the player's like sort of value and then you subtract the value of the highest level, like replacement player that wouldn't get drafted. And that's how I sort of decide who to draft next. And so that sort of evens out 
the uh, forwards and defensemen and goalies or whatever, because you just have to look at that value over replacement number. And so if I was doing that, then I would just kind of see, and I would potentially draft defensemen higher, even in this exercise, even without drafting a team, because I'm going by VORP. But right now we're not going by VORP. We're just kind of going off the top of our heads and say, I think it's easy to sort of just let defensemen fall because you're so excited about these big names like the, you know, Radulov and Zabanajad and like the 70 plus point guys. Like, you're just like, how can I not take this guy? Uh, okay. So, Dave, I think you got a pretty easy one here in uh, Jake Gensel, but oh, oh, I'll yeah. do my best to uh, argue against. Oh, I don't want to concede. And then he says, I get an easy one here. Uh, Maybe I'm just uh, psyching you out. Let's do some, uh, some QA and then it might. Uh, entice you to concede um <laughs> do you know how many points he got last year 76 do you know how many of them were on the power play 11 <laughs> oh boy <laughs> that's, just, that's just music to my ears do you know what position he plays left wing oh or right wing actually and guess who left during the offseason for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Bill Castle. That's right. Oh, man, it's all adding up to a beautiful draft pick here. I don't even have to say much else. I will mention that it was great to see his shot total jump up there. Went up to 227, very respectful. Uh, he also throws a decent amount of hits. He had 142 the season before, only 105 last year, but still no slouch out there. And so I think all good things on Gensel here. He's a fantastic pick. He should have went at least 15 picks higher. And when I, I sat on him for a while here in the patron rankings, I mean, yeah, there's, there was a lot of good defensemen picked and uh, some decent stars and stuff like that. But I'd say, yeah, I definitely want him over someone like Radulov. I'd take him over Monahan. I would take him over Forsberg. Yeah, Forsberg is close, but still – Left wing, huh? Over Radulov, over Radulov, yeah. I mean, I'd say when I was kind of talking about before, where there's a decent shot where he's going to be a point per game player, I'm gonna say Jake Gensel is a point per game floor next year, and getting him at this value at this point is absolutely ridiculous. All right, let's see what I can do here. Uh, the one thing I guess I'll throw out there is back in Gensel's rookie season in 2016-17, he was playing with Crosby, and it was great. And he ended up with a 68-point pace, and everyone was like, holy cow, check out this guy. He's going to be playing with Crosby. He's going to get so many points next season. And then the following season, he got bumped from the Crosby line. He was playing with, like, uh, who was he playing with? Uh, he played a bit with Kessel and Malkin. Then he played even with Riley Sheehan and Kessel. Then I'm seeing the fourth quarter, like back with Crosby and Russell. He was like sort of being bounced around the lineup and he only ended up with 48 points. Then the next season he got back with Crosby and we saw how well he did. But who's to say that he loses that spot again? Like Pittsburgh is known to be a team that likes to shake things around. We, we've we already been through this, assuming Gensel's a lock to play with Crosby on the top line. Pittsburgh now has got, you know, Alex Galchenyuk in there. Maybe they'll be like, hey, Alex Galchenyuk's a pretty good winger, and we like Crosby with Jared McCann. Maybe that's our top line now. Maybe Gensel's going and playing with a Malkin and someone, and then Malkin gets injured, and next thing you know, Jake Gensel's like not as sure thing as you say he is. So I guess that'll be my, my argument against. Maybe uh, that spot with Crosby isn't as guaranteed as we think, since we used to think this before and we got fooled. Um, I know I'm supposed to be the judge, but allow me to cross-examine one of you here. <laughs> Uh, Dave, I, I'm going to ask you this because you're a, a Pittsburgh fella. 
I've always thought of Jake Gensel as kind of the net front guy on the power play. Do you think that he takes the the Kessel spot, or do you think he takes the Hornquist spot? I think he takes the Hornquist spot, and Galchenyuk takes the uh, Kessel spot. Ooh, I love that. That's fun. Um, <laughs> I am a little bit worried about him there, just because he he had a few chances in that spot on the power play before when Hornquist would be hurt in previous seasons, and it's not like he cleaned up on the power play when he had those chances. I mean, that said, obviously, we're taking Jake Gensel here because why, how could you not, given the opportunity and what he showed last year? It's an obvious pro. But I, I do think that um, I'm I'm curious to see how the actual uh, deployment works on that top unit. I'm sure he'll get the ice time. I'm just curious about where they put him on the ice. Yeah. I mean, I was really grasping there, trying to say that maybe he <laughs> won't play with Crosby. I guess anything's possible, but that would be so dumb. That would they- be... If there's one thing that's not changing on the Penguins lines, whether it be top power player lines, it's that. I mean, you know how it goes, though. As soon as, like, things aren't – you know, last year it clicked all season long. Crosby got 100 points. Uh, You know, there's been other seasons where Crosby hasn't gotten 100 points recently, and then they start shaking around that top line like crazy. So, you know, it's all great until it starts stops working. Especially with Sullivan. As long as Sullivan's around, he's not going anywhere because his whole thing is pairs – like on the lines and then they just kind of search kind of like rotate in a third person to see who can kind of click with them at certain times kind of like what we saw with McCann at certain points and you'll see with rust at certain points but Gensel ain't going nowhere yeah I mean I definitely agree this would be amazing if you could get Gensel this late I actually don't understand how he fell like how are people taking Sean Monahan over Jake Gensel I, I was on him for so long I was getting really upset <laughs> all right so uh why don't we just take Dave's argument for Gensel and just copy and paste it, and I'll make it for Timo Meyer because oh, no way. because just like with Gensel, hey Dave, how many points did Timo Meyer have last year? Sixty six. And how many did he have on the power play? He had ten. Oh, okay. And who got traded in the off season? <laughs> Nobody. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I lost. Who got? Who, who left? Pavelski. Yo, Pavelski. All of a sudden, maybe Timo Meyer gets on that top power play. So he's got 66 points last season with only 10 on the power play. By the way, that's a 69-point pace. He gave him all 82 games. Plus, I think a lot of people are saying that Meyer is the next in line to take over that spot on the top power play to play with, like, one or two of Carlson and Burns and Couture and Hurdle. Like, it's an all-star power play. And I think Meyer's going to get there, maybe add 10 more power play points at least to him there. Plus his even strength points keep going up. Like he's going to now also like be more guaranteed to stick on a good line. Last year he was with Couture and Pavelski all season, but then sometimes he played with Couture and hurdle. Like, I don't see why that just doesn't continue, which is a great spot for him. Plus he takes so many shots, more shots than Gensel, even 250 shots in 78 games. He just like Gensel, Timo Meyer hits, I mean, I, I'll take Gensel over Meyer, but I feel like there's a really good analogy here that these guys are like looking pretty similar going into next season. Meyer's also pretty young, 22 years old, and I just don't see why. Maybe like not a guaranteed point per game, but I could definitely see Meyer, you know, jumping up at least another 10 points, get him to 75, and then you know, depending on variance one way or the other, maybe he does get to 80. Like super high upside, and I don't see the floor. Like, what is this guy's floor? He's going to be on the top line for sure. Last year when he did, you know, it's like. Uh, other other players we've talked about like even if he doesn't get on the top power play he did well and here like i think the opportunity is here for him to get on the top power play and just crush especially in a multi-category league 
Uh, I guess I'll kind of borrow your argument then against you as well. I'll point to uh, two seasons ago as his what could be his floor when he only scored 36 points in 81 games. And so I'd say that would be his absolute floor. I don't think he could get much lower than that, to be fair. Um, And he started, you're saying, like kind of using the whole, well, you lost Pavelski so he can gain the power play thing. The thing with Penguins, though, is that they still have – other superstars that he's playing with uh san jose not as much outside of their defense um i mean right now he's playing with couture and lebanc which sounds like an okay second line but not a line that's expected to be going to have to carry the majority of the time every single night having all the pressure on him every single night and out on their power play doesn't look that great right now um, I'm looking at right now from Daily Faceoff that it's projected as Hurdle, Couture, Meyer, and LeBong playing alongside Carlson. I know you can counter that saying that you can put Burns and Carlson on the same power play, but we also saw that that didn't work last year, no matter how much they tried it. And so while he does have high upside, I would kind of, and you might look at his lack of power play points, uh, assuming that he's going to get more there, but I'll point to the fact that he kind of fizzled down the stretch. He had he was really hot at first. Yes, that's true. Uh, but after the power, after the uh, All Star break here, I'm showing that he only scored 20 points in 29 games. Nothing to nothing to sneeze at, uh, but certainly not not the kind of production that you want when you're still drafting this high, which is I think still in like maybe the fourth round of a 14 team league, like a couple. Uh, so I think I'd let someone else take the flyer on him and take a chance on someone with a little bit higher of a floor. I don't know. All right. Let's see what the judge says. Are you saying Dave, that this past season might've been a bit of an outmire for Timo? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say it's an Utmore. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I definitely, I consoled myself a lot through the first 40 games of the season that Timo was kind of overperforming his totals. Uh, he was almost a point per game player through 40 games, and he did cool off towards the end for sure. Um, that said, I do think that Pavelski leaving there are arguments on both sides, like Pavel's losing that center. He's probably, I mean, I guess you'd argue that Couture is the number one center. Um, or and hurdle, right? Like hurdle. Good point. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tough to argue against Meyer having good players to play with. And I, I, I struggle to see an argument. We, hey, we saw, players. we saw what happened in the playoffs when they lost Pavelski. It's not like Meyer stepped up and they went crazy. Nope. They couldn't handle it. Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful point. And uh, um, pro Timo Meyer. Woo. Oh, first, I thought, first, I thought you were going to say pro team Dave. Not uh, team <laughs> I, was, I got my hopes up for a second there. Wow, um, a- I mean, and I feel really bad for you, Dave, because of the next pick. Yeah, you don't like uh, you don't like Rasmus Dahlin at fifty nine. I, I haven't said anything. I'm an impartial judge. <laughs> All right, go for it, Dave. I, I could take the if I, you want to take the con. I could take the pro. Uh, you could choose here. I'll I'll give you the gift. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, you want to switch? Yeah, let's switch. Let's have some fun. All right, because I've got cons. I was actually just brought up some cons for Dahlin, but let's do the pros. This guy was drafted first overall for a reason. 44 points in your rookie season is like super impressive. 44 points for a defenseman that's not even 20 years old puts him in super 
rare territory like uh you know eric carlson who we like sometimes like to say like maybe he's like the next eric carlson he had 26 points in 60 games in his first season and you know he had then 45 points in his second season and then eric carlson had 77 points in his third season so if uh if i'm putting this math together here darlene had around that second carlson season so doesn't that mean the third carlson season is what's coming next for darlene in his second year does that, all, does that all make sense what I just said? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, all I'm saying is that what that means is Rasmus Dahlin is going to get 77 points next year. And that's all there is to it. Or, but like, seriously, uh, also Buffalo is looking really strong, right? They've got, you know, Skinner locked in now. Eichel finally is playing full seasons, not getting injured. Sam Reinhardt rolling, rounding into shape. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> you don't like that? <laughs> Reinhardt's good. I, I just like how that was like the, the third best thing you can think of for Buffalo. Like I just Ryan, Reinhardt's been getting better and better each year. He had a, he had a decent year last year. Plus, uh, didn't he bring? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at Dave's reaction. He like lost his mind. Are you saying? <laughs> also, who's who's that fourth forward on that top power play now? I feel like I saw someone that they brought in. Maybe I guess it's just like could be like Casey Middlestat who uh, takes that step forward. But I think either way, it's not oh, as if Carlson. <laughs> yeah, but it's not as if like Eric Carlson was playing with like all studs back when he was in his third season with the Sens. So I just feel like Reinhardt, uh, sorry, Darlene is like on this trajectory of his career where I think that he's just going to keep getting better and better. Again, you just can't minimize how big a deal it is that he got 44 points in his rookie season. Don't forget a lot of the start of Darlene's rookie season. He wasn't on the top power play. Ristolainen was there. By the end of the year, he'd already stolen that job. Now it's his job for sure going into next year. So he's going to be playing all season. Plus, probably he's going to play more minutes, you know, now that he's more mature. He's gotten through a season of playing, you know, in 82 games. You know, it's a bit of a grind. So he's going to take all the lessons he's learned. And I don't see why he's not throwing at least another 20 points to his totals and so like the ceiling is just sky high and i don't see what the floor is like 44 points is even pretty good for a defenseman and i feel like he's almost for sure going to beat that because he was 19 freaking years old so you know i won't rag on you too much here elon uh i mean uh he's he's a decent player i'd maybe say <laughs> his, his floor is maybe like 35 wow. which, is, which isn't terrible you know for a defense why um, like why is he going to go down from last season by so much was he lucky last year to you? Buffalo's terrible. Um, they can they didn't do anything to improve themselves. Um, they most they get that, worse. Yeah, I think they might get worse. Like, what did they do in the offseason to make them think you're going to be worse? They're going to be worse. I think he got a majority of those points whenever they were on their hot run. And mm-hmm. yeah, he might argue that now they might have he might have more power play time. I'd kind of argue against that. Um, I think if anything, it's going to be more split because as you mentioned, uh, they might not just have another forward to go up there. Um, and I don't know how much I can just say no. Looking at all the other defensemen that are still available, I mean, obviously we mentioned it before: Krug, Subban, Truba, and you're taking Dalene over him. No chance in heck. Absolute clown pick here by the patrons. Um, I don't know. Sometimes people just get a little hot and heavy on those rookies. Uh, no, I'd say I'd say ceiling 50 points. Um, 55 yeah. if somehow Buffalo's good. Uh, but I highly doubt that. And so I think, yeah, if you're taking them here, 
you need to you need to reconsider playing fantasy hockey. <laughs> this is what you would have said after Carlson's forty five point sophomore season. You would have looked like a real fool after he put up <laughs> seventy seven the next year for the Sens. But okay, by the way, I was just trying to remember the name of that player that I was saying could take that fourth forward spot on the top power play. It, it had uh, you know I'd forgotten that they signed Marcus Johansson. That's the guy I was thinking of that maybe he could take over as the fourth forward on the top power play over like a, a middle stat or Ocposo or whoever. So anyway, because you know he was good on Washington's top power play way back in the day. Marcus, you've Johansson. seen it so many times where a player of Marcus Johansson's caliber has come to a team and turned their power play one into a, a dynamo. Unit. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, they weren't bad last year. Like uh, Rasmus Dahlin had 20 power play points, and he wasn't even on the top power play the whole time. They got, they got Eichel. They locked in Skinner. They've got Ryan. <laughs> I do want to say though that, like, I. I've been clowning this Darlene pick in the group for weeks ever since it was made. So Dave, you've done an incredible job of actually making me second guess that by making arguments that I actually totally disagree with on this one. <laughs> um, I really don't see how he's going to get like how his floor is 35. Uh, he has 24 points in his last 40 games, which is well after their, um, their, hot stretch and that gives him a pace of about 50 points on a season. Um, I do think that like there is upside with Rasmus Dahlin. That's really not my issue with the pick. It's more so that if he doesn't take a huge step forward, this is a massive reach um, because he doesn't give you any peripheral to give himself a floor. And unless he hits like 55 to 60 points, then you're really, really, not going to be paying off at all. And I also think that Buffalo did probably get better, but not in a way where I think that like their top players are going to be significantly better. I just think that they've improved their depth overall as a team, adding Johansson and um, adding Colin Miller, I think is a good move for them on the back end. But just overall, I think Buffalo is a stronger team. I'm not sure that Darlene's fantasy output is significantly altered aside from the fact that he's another year in and likely to get, I would say more of that top power play time. Um, And ice time overall, I would say. Yes. But I just, I it's, it's really high for me for a guy like Darlene. I, I I would not be buying him this early in a draft. Okay. I want to throw one more point before you hammer that gavel. Since I, I took the, uh, the challenge of arguing for him here. Uh, when you say his peripherals aren't that high, so first of all, he had 177 shots in 82 games. That's like nothing to sneeze at for a defenseman in general. Plus, again, this guy was a young kid. Eric Carlson, you t- I'm taking a look at his numbers. He had 182 shots in his second season. Then he jumped up to 261 the season after that. Like, you know, like he jumped up. And Eric Carlson also used to be like a 60 to 70 block guy at the start of his career. Then like in 2016-17, out of nowhere, he, he like almost led the league in blocks if he didn't get injured at the end. So like, uh, I feel like you don't want to be too low on Dalene's peripherals because maybe we just don't know yet what he's capable of like he had 97 hits he had 66 blocks so it's not great but i just don't think that means that's what he's going to be moving forward he's going to have more ice time and i think he's going to grow into his body he's going to grow as a player and i'll bet you some of those numbers are going to go up like it's hard to say for sure with peripherals like that like hits and blocks but i don't think it's like you just lock him in now as a sub 100 hits and blocks guy moving forward forever agreed 100 percent. i'm purely talking as in a one-year league uh if you're looking at like making sure that you get upside and safety. Like there are just many options here that I would be much more comfortable taking. I'm not willing to project an Eric Carlson, like jump 
especially you're you're just saying the second season. I mean, he also had a rookie season where he didn't make as massive of a jump between the two. So, I mean, yeah, I really like Rasmus. Yeah, but I'm saying Carlson was picked 15th and Darlene was picked first. So that's why I'm giving Darlene that extra year to be able sure, to pass. Sure, you're I understand. But, I mean, <laughs> it's also just like assuming an Eric Carlson level leap. If it was going to be anyone, it would be Darlene. I'm not trying to slag on him as a like his prospects long term. It's just more so that for me, it's like very, very high for someone who's floor is not safe enough in my opinion all right i tried yeah I, points to you for trying elon two points for elon boom <laughs> hammer that gavel what? are we waiting for the gavel yeah it's not working oh because okay. <laughs> my i was playing chess earlier <laughs> while and, we were playing while we were talking oh no my chess thing went off <laughs> there we go my chess alert went off while we were recording so i turn anyway this is really interesting stuff i know do you guys want to make this uh the last pick here let's do it oh dave bales that's just because uh hellebuck is up next and dave doesn't want to argue pro on connor hellebuck so that's fine (laughs) (laughs) sorry no i also i have a train coming by so i don't know if you can hear that but yeah um very much i thought that was more of ben's sound effects I'm bringing the train, pain. <laughs> All right. So this was fun. Theoretically, we've got like another 11 guys to go if we want to do another one of these at some point in the off season. So I guess we could touch so, base. Someone else can take it if they want. I'm just, I just don't really have too much time to always forget to do it. And then it's always like too late. And then I always plan to do it the next day and always forget. Oh, you mean for posting the rankings? I think we're good with the yeah. rankings ending how they are. I think now that we've got a lot of stuff going on and keeping Carlson, actually, you know what? I'll, I think maybe I'll take the opportunity now to plug a bunch of stuff. So, but first, let, let me say goodbye, and then you guys can decide if you want to stick around or not. Like, obviously, thanks so much. This has been another like super fun episode of this. I know the fans really liked it when we did the last good pick, bad pick. We got some tweets being like, "When's the next good pick, bad pick already?" And I was like, "Dude, that's not even a thing that uh, we were planning on keeping on doing." But it was I Dave. Had no idea you made it public. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I told you that I was going to make the last one public. I messaged you. Yeah, about you it. asked us. Yeah, but uh, Dave, like, uh, it was a great idea. You're the one who came up not only with the idea for the patron rankings, but for the good pick, bad pick series, and it was great. And I feel like it got even better when you suggested that we bring in a judge, and Ben, you killed it because we got extra analysis. Plus, I believe I won. So, you know, claps all around. You guys (laughs) did a great job, and I'm happy that I won. And the way we're marking it now is I won the first one, Dave won the second one, I won the third one, so I'm the overall winner, right? Oh, I'm had, taking away the first one. <laughs> you had some softballs at this time, though. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Are you so, did I, so did I. I think you had easier ones on the second time. All right. So with that, I'm going to try to be less than like five minutes. I'm going to try to do less than four minutes. It's got, there's a lot of stuff going on at Keeping Carlson HQ. So I just want to let everyone know what's going on. So uh, thanks again, guys. And if you want to stick around, we can also banter a bit at the end. But okay, this is what I'm going to throw out. First of all, this whole ranking that we've been doing has been using the Keeping Carlson Also Patron Fantasy League scoring system. And fun fact, the Keeping Carlson Also Patron Fantasy League, the couple sign-up registration is open. So now is the time to sign up. The way it works is if you're a patron of Keeping Carlson for $5 a month, you get a whole ton of perks and one of them is free entry into the couple. It's a tiered system. So you're going to start at the bottom tier if you've never played before. And then if you do well, you'll keep climbing up, climbing up. Next thing you know, you're in tier one, like Dave Benton, 
winning the championship and coming on a bunch of podcasts because obviously we know he's a brilliant genius. So that that's your ticket to get on Keeping Carlson is to win your way up. Uh, there's probably other ways to do it as well. If you get like a, I don't know, maybe 100,000 Twitter followers. Just you money. A- if you just pay Elon money, he'll probably. Oh yeah, money too. Yeah. But, but one of the avenues is to climb your way up the Cupful. Plus it's just a super fun league because you're playing as competitive players, especially as you climb up, you're playing as some of the best fantasy players in the world. And I say that, it sounds like hyperbole, but I think it's true, right? These are people who are nerdy enough to be listening to this podcast every week, chatting up on our Facebook group, running like ideas and advice off of each other. So uh, yeah, I think it's a really fun league. I'd love for you to get in on it. I want to have as many players as we can for next season. Last year, we had five tiers. Maybe we could do six tiers next year. And the way it worked, by the way, was like five divisions in tier five, four in tier four. It's like a bit of a pyramid. Works its way up to just one division in tier one. Okay, so that's that. That's the couple. Oh, and speaking of the couple, next week, to keep going with sort of the... Uh, more alternative episodes of Keeping Carlson. We're actually going to have Dave Benton back again. So I hope you like him. Otherwise, maybe we're <laughs> sat oversaturating you with your Dave Benton here. But we are going to be, every year we do an episode where we like to discuss like league design. And Brian and I like discuss some of the, you know, th- decisions that you make when you're designing a new fantasy league, like, you know, points versus categories, like season long versus head to head. And so we've been doing that every year. So you can go back and listen to previous times we've done that. We'll link to it uh, on our next episode. Next year, we're, So for next week, we're going to do this a little little differently what we've done is we've you know been designing the cacuple every year and going into next season like we liked the settings that we used last season but we've offered up to our listeners mainly the patrons to throw us their suggestions of what rule changes they would make and we're going to be having a bracket next week they've been submitting their ideas to john reed none of us know it's me brian and dave are going to be the judges dave because he's the couple tier one champion and basically we're just going to work through all the suggestions that john tells us we don't know what they are they're going to work their way through the bracket we're going to get to a final two and one suggestion is going to make it into the couple and be instituted as a new rule and you can throw out any type of rules as simple as like goals should be worth one more points to like no trades or like whatever any crazy thing you want to throw at us we're going to discuss and it will it'll go through on the bracket so if you want to throw a suggestion to uh john reed there's two ways you could either send it as an email to kktakes at gmail.com or if you're on our facebook group you could just dm john reed directly to send him your idea i think he's like got it almost locked in but if you send him a good idea i'm sure he'll find a way to put it in so that's that has this been this has already been more than four minutes damn john okay reed's like the uh the selection committee Hey, what's that again? It, John reads like the selection committee. He decides like the last four, last four in and the first four out. Yeah, he's basically. Isn't there like some sort of committee? Are you talking about for like the March Madness? Yeah, yeah, March Madness. Like someone. Had, so yeah, it's all up to John Reed, and I think he's going with like different sort of groups based on different types of suggestions. It's going to be a crazy episode. It's probably going to be also like a three-hour episode. I hope Brian's ready for this. I don't know how long it's going to be. We should probably start early. We'll we'll discuss and figure out a way that we can fit it all in. But it's going to be really well, fun. It is worth noting that I am going to win the bracket. Your oh. like your idea is going to win. I, I have I have two I think, and they're both incredible, and I. Ooh planning to win the bracket yes well very yeah, well and, it'll be anonymous so and ben to his credit uh thought of the great uh the pay, the playoff pool uh system that oh we yeah and for those of you who don't yeah. know i'm supposed to be keeping my plugs at the end short but that was really fun uh ben invented because you know when you ever do a playoff pool you draft your people then after the first round you pretty much know who's gonna win because it's whoever didn't have all their players eliminated in the first round so how he had it is like whoever like if there's eight let's players not spoil too much let's not spoil too much i want to keep it kind of uh okay 
for this next year. All right. Well, Dave's got a really cool. He's play trying the here. trademark. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't want to give away your idea before you've gotten lawyers to uh, sign off on it. Okay, yes. The other thing I just want to mention quickly before we sign off is, of course, the almanac, which I've been spending all weekend and all last week. Like this thing takes a lot of prep, but the basic idea is Brian and I are going to be recording in a couple weeks the world's second ever NHL audio almanac. We're calling it an audiobook. There's going to be 32 chapters, one chapter per team, where each chapter is like an episode of Keeping Carlson, where we're going to break down every single player that we think is fantasy relevant on that team. We're going to discuss, you know, what they did last season, if we think they're going to do better or worse. And for each player, we're going to come up with a projection. And that's going to be... So basically, we're going to talk about every single player that you might want to think about drafting in your leagues. They're going to be discussed in our almanac. And so you could still pre-order it. And we're trying to give a couple perks to people who want to order early. It's going to be available to everyone by September 1st at the latest. But if you pre-order now, you could get it for 20 bucks or 18 as a patron. And you could join one of our slow drafts. We've been doing these slow drafts every week. We, I think I have one slot left on slow draft number five. So you might be able to be the lucky person to get in on that. And if not, we'll just start filling up for slow draft number six. I feel like we have another week before we'll probably cut off the slow drafts. So there's that. And uh, yeah, I just would really appreciate if you, uh, if you like keeping Carlson, Check out the almanac because like I've just finished prepping the Eastern Conference. Actually, I just have Washington left, and then I'm going to move on to prepping the West. I uh, tweeted out an idea I have about how Mike Hoffman is like the Beyond Meat stock price, and and you'll have tidbits like that and much more in the almanac as we go through it. So you can think about why that's the case. Or you can look at our Twitter account. So uh, keepingcarlson.com/almanac to get in on that, and keepingcarlson.com/patron to become a patron and then sign up for the couple. If you played in the couple last season, you still need to sign up because we don't know like not everyone's coming back some people i don't know they're crazy they don't want to play again but most but yeah so make sure you sign up and the sign up deadline is september 12th and so with that ben and dave any final words before we sign off here uh the slow draft was fun so i encourage people to sign up for the almanac and get in on that cool thank you give give brian and elon your money and listen to the almanac i was around to for a lot of the recorded episodes last year and it was super fun to watch and be there for in the chat room. So, oh yeah, oh, yeah. and I was uh, I was moving across the country uh, while they were recording them, and it was great, great time filler. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, when I said anything else to say, I didn't necessarily mean that you'd help me with the plug, but I appreciate it. And yeah, that is another pre-order perk because you get to listen live and get access to the episodes early because you'll have the live uh, footage where, which also includes a lot of Brian and I arguing that that doesn't make it into the final cut when we argue about what should and shouldn't be in it. So, uh, okay. Thanks, guys, again. Uh, Dave Benton, uh, do you have anything to plug? Your Twitter, you have, what is it, Dave Exer or something on Twitter? Nah, at Yen's Jeep Jet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you can follow Dave there, and also you can see him all over the Keeping Carlson Facebook group if you're in that. And then Ben, of course, is one of the trio of Average Time on Ice, one of my favorite Twitter accounts. They're killing it all the time. He helped me argue with Brian about Kevin Shattenkirk earlier today when Brian tweeted like an eye roll emoji for the Rangers buying out Shattenkirk and him going to Tampa Bay. And Ben and I, we took him down. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> he really, he got me. He Because uh, I had... I actually, his tweet had the opposite effect on me where after I thought about it, I now don't mind the buyout nearly as much as I had previously. (laughs) So I appreciate that tweet from that perspective. Um, But yes, please follow me and my wonderful and hilarious and um, incredible co-tweeters, Lewis and Jade at AVG Time on Ice. Yeah, they're great. Uh, So... Thanks again, guys. This has been a fun episode. Dave, I'll see you in a week. Ben, see you in the Facebook group. Peace out, everybody. Bye-bye.